We're going over Rhodey's mammoth victory over VCU at home last Friday night, as well as their win against UMass at home to extend that win streak to nine. And we'll be going over Rhodey's next two, including their second one next Tuesday on the road at number six, Dayton. We have it all here, all for you on Ballin' with B-Show. Welcome to episode 15, yes, episode 15, right this far, of season 2 of Ballin' with B-Show. As always, I am your host, Gavin B-Show, and man, Rhode Island is on a roll. They started last Friday night in what would look to be a must-win game for their at-large bid hopes to really flare up. They hosted the VCU Rams winner got second place in the Atlantic 10 Conference where the Rams of Rhode Island were at 7-1 and one, and VCU was at 6-2. and two. A URI win would put um, them in second place by two games of any other team and a VCU win would put them ahead of URI due to their um, overall uh, record. But Rhode Island came out firing uh, out the gates to a 27-17 lead and man, Jeff Down, his performance in the first half, absolutely um, riveting. Yes, riveting. He hit back-to-back-to-back to back to back threes in the first half to extend Rhodey's lead to 39-17. to um, Put Rhodey on a 12 run, and that really just, you know, launched um, Slingshot Rhodey ahead at half up by 22 over VCU. The Ryan Center was rocking. It was loud on ESPN2. It was 49-27 at the break. Rhode Island got it up as much as 29, um, a 63-34 to uh, lead for Rhode Island over VCU with around 16 minutes left in the second half. But then VCU, we knew VCU was going to go on a run. They're a great team. Great teams go on runs. But VCU went on a 26-6 run and brought that 29-point lead only down to 9, and I started sweating. It was getting close. Rhode Island's offense was not doing good, only scoring 6 points in 11 minutes. Uh, it was 69-60 to 60, uh, with 5 minutes left in the second half, but Rhode Island hung on to that lead. A couple and ones, including a mammoth dunk by Cyril Langevin, and one on Marcus Santos Silva, as well as an alley-oop and one by Tyrese Martin for the put-in. Rhode Island won 87-75. to 75. Rhode Island, of course, was led by Fats Russell with 30 points and three steals. Tyrese Martin, like I mentioned before, 18 points, five rebounds. Jeff Down with that man, with that big first half with 17 points uh, overall, nine in that first half. Cyril Langevin with 11 points, nine rebounds, just shy of one rebound of that double-double. On the other side, Isaac Van had 13 points, but VCU was led by freshman Bones Highland who really sparked that comeback against uh, URI late in that half, uh, in the second half. He had 16 points, and Marcus Santos Silva only had 7 points, 4 rebounds. A great defensive feat for Cyril Langevin, Antoine Walker, and Jermaine Harris to limit his touches, which was a huge factor in Rhodey's victory. If you look at the overall um, team stats, Rodon shot 49% from the field, 27 for 55. 
7 for 18 from 3, and 26 for 33 from the free throw line. And that is a big stat as VCU shot 55% from the field, even though Rhode Island won by 12. They shot 55% going 30 for 54. Um, and VCU struggled from three. They shot 35%, four, uh, 5 for 14, and 10 for 18 from the free throw line, 55.6% uh, from that mark. Rhode Island turned the ball over 14 times and VCU 15. But go back to those free throws. That's what really willed them across the finish line. Three-point battle was pretty close. Um, uh, either way, Rhode Island had two more threes on four more shots. So, I mean, it was pretty close there. And, of course, VCU had more field goals. They had a better field goal percentage. But Rhode Island, going 26 for 33, is absolutely huge against VCU. One of their major keys in any game, any tough game they play, they need to get to the line. And getting the line 33 times and making it 26, that is just... Great basketball. You really want to see this team excel from the free throw line because that's a that's like an underrated stat. No one really looks at it, but this the way this team can shoot the free throw at times is very ugly. But at times like this against VCU and some other games they've played, they shot very well from the free throw line. They've been very competitive and they've won most of those games. So that was big. Rhode Island got put into second place then after that win in the A10. Uh, in the sellout at the Ryan Center by two games. They now sat, after that game, they sat at 8-1, and one, going to last, or two nights ago, Tuesday's game against UMass. UMass, I'm always scared of them. They always seem they can pick one off against us, uh, a game or two that they did last year. But Rhode Island did not let that happen. They shot out to a 10-2 lead heading to the U16. They led by five at halftime, and they just cruised the whole way to that victory. Fats Russell led Rhode Island with 21 points and four steals. Jeff Down had 16 points, six rebounds, four assists, kind of continuing that, you know, scoring spurt of the last couple games as before those, he wasn't really getting the ball in the basket a lot, wasn't being efficient. But against UMass, he did it all. He had 16 points, six rebounds, four assists. And Cyril with 15 points, nine rebounds, and a free throw to give him 1,000 career points. Congratulations, Cyril. Him and Fats both got it this year. This leaves Rhode Island with three players, including Jeff Down, on the roster with 1,000 points. On the other side, UMass was led by what just freshman forward Trey Mitchell. He had a monster game, 30 points, 13 for 20. Not that, you know, you don't want to, you know, Cyril did an all right job, but Jermaine was getting back down every single time. I mean, even Cyril, I mean, Everyone, no one's been able to. Not even Marcus Santos Silva's to back down Cyril. Like wasn't even doing that good, but still, Trey Mitchell, the freshman with his big body, kept getting bucket after bucket, and he really willed this UMass team to the finish line. Even though they fell up short, UMass, you know, without Trey Mitchell, this game would have been ugly, like very, very ugly. But he, he's a great player, and I don't know how that looks. Either he's really good, or the defense was just really bad down low. Um, especially going to George Washington and Dayton, of course. You don't want to see that continue. Look at the team stats. Rhode Island shot 47%, carrying across that field goal percentage as doing pretty decent as of late. Uh, 26 for 55, three-point percentage around the same, 5 for 14, 35%. They shot well from the free throw line, 66%, 16 for 24, making a lot of those free throws and turning the ball over only 11 times. UMass turned the ball over only 12 times, though, shooting 5 for 7 from the free throw line and 4 for 19 from 3. They could not get one to go in. And with help of Trey Mitchell, their field goal percentage was a 47% mark, uh, 29 for 61. 
One thing to talk about, though, is Rhode Island field goal percentage of the opponents. I mean, you have UMass at 47%. You had VCU at 55%. Obviously, going into the latter half as A-10 stretch, really need to step it up, especially Dayton. And I'm really emphasizing Dayton because that could be the biggest game of the year. I mean, I'm saying this VCU game was the biggest game of the year, but after that, you got to keep moving on to what's next ahead. Every game's got to be big. And so going into George Washington, who's a pesky team on the road, and also going to Dayton, you got to keep their field goal percentages low, and you can't make them get hot because those teams will uh, take advantage of those mistakes. And one thing to talk about uh, what happened actually during the game was Coach Tony Bergeron, assistant coach for UMass, he ended up getting a technical for, you know, jabbering to the ref about something. Just a quick turnaround tech. I watched it go down. It was kind of crazy. I just look at the rebound. I just turned, and all there was a whistle and a technical foul. I'll take it. We got the two shots and the ball, but it's not like his first time happening. I mean, he's always had problems with other coaches and refs in the A10, and you know, there's no need for that in college basketball. Uh, not that hatred, but just that attitude towards the game. And as a coach, you represent the game. And getting technical fouls and yelling at other coaches like he did David Cox after the game, we'll talk about it right now. What happened was actually Tony Bergeron last year was a coach at um, Woodstock Academy in New York. And four of the UMass freshmen are actually from there. He brought them to uh, UMass. That sounds familiar. Jacob Toppin also went to Woodstock, but attends Rhode Island. So going to the end of the game, uh, shake line, um, you know, Jacob Toppin and Tony Bergeron were exchanging words as Jacob Toppin was heading towards the locker room. David Cox shook the coach's hands and walked out to center court like he does just admire the fans and, and the stadium. Um, but Tony Bergeron just went up to David Cox and just started yelling in his face. David Cox seemed pretty calm. I mean... He was saying some things back to Tony Bergeron, but by God, Tony Bergeron is being very disrespectful to David Cox, and he David Cox seemed as calm as whatever. And you know, some people get hyped out, uh, hyped up about it, you know. But David Cox kind of roasted him in the press conference, you know, downplaying it, saying it was just a dust up, just a rivalry game, uh, which I thought was pretty funny, you know, lowering UMass's stature when it came to that little skirmish. But you never want to see that from a coach, you know, with that kind of attitude, talking back to players, talking back to coaches, and, of course, talking back to refs. So, you know, that's something that happened. Ron only won 73-67 to against UMass when they pulled away. Um, it was it, it didn't really feel like a six-point game. Uh, it felt like more like a 10-12 point game. But, you know, UMass had, like, a couple threes at the end of the game to really just bring this game close, which it never really was. Radon handedly took care of UMass um, in this one. Moving on, we got to look into ahead to Rhodey's next two games, including this one this Saturday. Radon stands, as of today, at 17-5 and overall, 9-1 in the A-10. On that nine-game win streak, second in the conference they play on Saturday at 12 p.m. on CBS Sports Network at George Washington. Fats Russell leads the Rams with 20.2 points a game, 3.1 steals, 4.6 assists. Jeff Downton with 14.2 points. Tyrese Martin with 12.5 points, 6.7 rebounds. Tyrese Martin definitely starting to shoot the three ball much better than he was in that slump of eight games, starting with Brown. Um, he really started to get the groove going, you know, three or four games ago, which is uh, in that St. Bonaventure game, 
which is a uh, key for the Rams if they want to, you know, have those NCAA at-large tournament hopes um, up with Fats, Jeff, and Tyrese, and all three of them can play at their high level. That's a hard team to stop, as well as when you have a man like Cyril Langevin down low, who's averaging 10.1 points and 10.1 rebounds, averaging that double-double, something he fell just short of last year, only achieving that 9.9 rebound mark. The Rams as a team shoot 43.4% from the field, 32.3% from three-point land, and 69% from the free-throw line, only turn the ball over 12.2 times a game. And as you see, Compare these stats to the Richmond stats, uh, not Richmond stats, but the game we faced Richmond right after that game, going into Davidson. Our stats have like, and in every single area we've gotten like two, three percent better um, from what we are. Free throw percentage up like three percent, three point percentage up like two and a half percent, and field goal percentage up like four percent. So that's all good and dandy for the Rams on this nine-game win streak you know, enhancing their stats and getting better as a team. And it's showing up, of course, on the stat book. They play a George Washington team led by first-year coach Jamie and Christian. Uh, they are 10-3 and and 4-6 and in the Atlantic, 10-9th and in the conference. They are led by Arnold Potter, a guard with 14.9 points a game, 14.5 points a game, 5.5 assists. Jameson battle at forward, um, who's kind of like, you know, an all-around player. He can go down low, get you a bucket, get you a rebound, or shoot from three. He's averaging 12.4 points a game, 5.4 rebounds, and shooting around 40% from the three-point line. And, of course, Macy Jack, a fast guard, quick guard, uh, they have there in George Washington, who's averaging 11.3 points. And, of course, like their Swiss Army knife, you have Jameer Nelson, who's averaging 11 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 2.5 assists as a guard. All right, the uh, the... The Colonials, rather, are shooting 42.7% from the field, 33% from three, 72% from the free throw line, and 12.2 uh, turnovers a game. They have wins versus George Mason and Davidson in four overtimes, but they have lost to Duquesne, St. Louis, South Carolina in the non-conference, and they lost big time by 18 and 24. Five points, I would say, respectively, to Richmond and St. Bonaventure in the last two games. So obviously the confidence level has got to be low for George Washington going to this game, trying to turn around against URI um, on, uh, at home, the Colonials are. The Rams need to attack down low. They are, you know, they have, uh, the Colonials have Toro, uh, a good rebounder, and Jameson Battle. But besides that, they have no real established forwards, and if Ron can give get Cyril and Antoine spread out the offense and dish it down low and put them on post ups and one on ones in the paint, I'll take that all day. We have to establish um, down low as soon as possible, and once that presence starts happening, of course, you got to kick out for three to Jeff Doughton, Fats Russell, or Tyrese Martin. You got to go in and out. If you try to chuck up threes before. Their guards will catch up. They'll get buckets easy, and it'll take uh, take a little longer, the farther we go in the game, uh, to set up that forward presence. Of course, also, if you want to win games, you gotta be play great Roy defense, play aggressive, force turnovers. Don't be too aggressive, but of course, be somewhat aggressive and force turnovers and turn those turnovers into fast point, uh, fast break points. So. That's what I would say the keys for the game, establishing the forwards down low, then kicking out uh, with the guards, and then, of course, playing defense, creating turnovers, and try to lower their uh, George Washington's field goal percentage, especially 
going to their next game next Tuesday on CBS Sports, 7.30, the 11th. They're on the road at the Udine Arena against number six, Dayton. Dayton is led by Coach Anthony Grant, definitely A-10 Coach of the Year, if not David Cox, but I'm pretty sure Anthony Grant probably could get this award. I can already call it right now. Dayton's 20-2 and and 9-0 and in the A-10. They have won every game since their loss in overtime at the buzzer against Colorado. The Dayton Flyers, man, they're shooting 52.5% from the field. That's good for the most efficient offense in college basketball, as well as a 37.4% three-point percentage, and they shoot the free throw all right at 72.4%, turning the ball over 13.1 times. But those stats are just bewildering. You have a 52.5% field goal percentage. That is insane. As well as 37.5% from the three-point line. That is also insane. And, you know... Their defense is getting consistently better. Their three-point shooting is definitely great. And their offense is the most efficient, if not uh, um, with them and Gonzaga pretty close. But very, very, very efficient. One, if not two, um, in the league. And, of course, the Dayton Flyers, led by everyone knows his name by now, Jacob Toppin's young, uh, older brother, rather, Obi Toppin. He's averaging 19.7 points a game and eight rebounds. Him... And the one he has a one-two punch with him and guard Jalen Crutcher is averaging 14.3 points, 5.3 assists, and Jalen Crutcher shooting 42.1% from the three-point line. Very good. And of course, they have guard E.B. Watson, 11.5 points a game. He's shooting 44% from three. And Trey Landers averaging uh, another guard averaging 11.3 points a game, 5.9 rebounds, and 40% from the three-point line. They can really shoot the ball well. This offense is just, I talk about it a lot right now, but this offense is something, like, it, it's beauty. You look at it, like, why can't my team have this? Well, because you're not the Dayton Flyers. I mean, it's just an unbelievable offense, and Rhode defense is definitely going to have their hands full on Tuesday night. Just some quick side notes. Davidson, uh, not Davidson, Dayton, rather, has wins over Georgia, Virginia Tech, and St. Mary's, and, of course, wins in the A-10 Conference over VCU, St. Louis in overtime off a buzzer beater, Richmond, and Duquesne. And they have lost two games. They had not lost a game in regulation. They lost both games in overtime. Buzzer beater, like I mentioned before, to Colorado. And they lost in their Thanksgiving tournament by six in OT to Kansas. And just a quick fact, Radon has actually won two straight games at the Eugene Arena, led by E.C. Matthews three years ago, and that, uh, two years ago, and then, of course, you had last year where Fats Russell and crew went in and disrupted that win home win streak at Dayton and what really turned around round season to end the year, which really sent them uh, into a slingshot into the A-10 semifinals. But Rhode Island's keys to victory, you know, definitely force turnovers. They force more turnovers than a couple more teams that we've seen earlier. So definitely force turnovers, get easy points. That's number one. Number two... Definitely three-point defense. We cannot let them get wide open threes. We're not has to work on making every three contested. Contested threes that go in, he can't do anything about them except give Dayton a round of applause. And they're gonna make a couple. They will. I I'm calling it. They're gonna make a couple contested threes. They're gonna be like, wow, how do they hit those? Because they are very good 
sound, fundamental basketball team that works hard and makes those types of shots. So Radon needs to contest three-pointers. They need to take baskets when they can off turnovers, being aggressive on defense, and not letting Obi Toppin get hot. Not letting Obi Toppin get hot puts the pressure on a, a guard like Jalen Crutcher who's going to have to face Jeff Dowton or Fats Russell, who are both very, very stealthy on defense, as well as E.B. Watson, who would get um, one of those uh, as well. And you have like uh, role guys, which is why Dayton's so good, because you have Obi Wat, uh, um, Obi Toppin, and then you have E.B. Watson, Jalen Crutcher, Ryan Mikesell, Trey Landers. You have great role guys um, for Dayton, and round like they can't stop everyone, but they should stop Jalen Crutcher and Obi uh, Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin's obviously number one. If he gets hot, it's gonna be a long, long night for Rhode Island. But if they can stop Obi uh, Toppin and get a good, you know get a good hand in Jalen Crutcher's face and put the pressure to make shots on the role players like E.B. Watson and Trey Landers, that's all you can ask for from the most efficient offense in the game. You got to make sure that their best players don't do good. And, you know, if their role players both score, like, score 20 points, 30 points, I mean, you can't do anything about that. You don't have enough players to play Dayton. I mean, there's a really good basketball team. Uh, you got so basically limit the damage. You got to take out Jalen Crutcher and Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin, obviously, is number one, then Crutcher number two. But you've got to let the role players on Dayton try to make something happen. Because what ha- seems to happen, you know, they're experienced. Some are experienced. But you have someone like Evie Watson, who's a freshman or sophomore, you know, underclassman, who, you know, playing team against Rhode Island, a very scrappy team, forced turnovers, t- forced them to make bad shots. That can really be the, uh, the deciding factor in the game. And also, after their defense and their fast break, free throws. They got to make sh- they got to get to the foul line early and often. They got to make sure they get their buckets when they need them, and they have to make them. So, yeah, those are the keys to a round victory against the number six team in the nation. Sounds, you know, easier said than done. But if you do want to check out Dayton, they are playing after Rhode Island on CBS Sports on Saturday at 2 o'clock. They play St. Louis in a rematch for the Arch Baron Cup at the UD, UD Arena. Uh, excuse me. But that one could be a good one to watch as St. Louis, when they hosted Dayton, you know, they should have won that game. But Jalen Crutcher, great guard for Dayton. Hit a fadeaway three for the win. Can't do anything about that. That's just, you know, a great team in general. So that's going to be my wrap-up of those teams. And let's get into the A-10 for the past week. We had we had some solid games. I wouldn't say it was the, the, the best week. Uh, Rhode Island, of course, had, you know, VCU last Friday night, which actually was the only game... Um, in the A-10 that Friday, and what really happened was the spotlight was put on Kingston, basically. John Rossin even said it, you know, the spotlight belongs in Kingston, and yeah, uh, the only A-10 game was Rhode Island VCU. We move on to Saturday, though. You had Dayton crush Fordham. You had St. Bonaventure, you know, crush George Mason. Richmond crushed George Washington. St. Louis only, only beat St. Joe's by five at St. Joe's, which kind of, you know, shows the rest of the league that St. Joe's, even though they have one game, Ryan Daly can make something happen. I mean, he had 35 points and seven rebounds, six assists. I mean, he basically pulled along a team that has its face in its ground and has no arms or legs, but he's still making something out of it, especially whenever he's playing at home. Seems to love it there. And Davidson absolutely 
obliterated UMass, scoring 52 points in the first half. And then on sun last Sunday, Duquesne squeaked out a two-point victory over LaSalle, a very, very close one. Last Tuesday, uh, two days ago, you had, of course, Rhode Island and UMass, where Rhode Island won. And then last night, you had two games. You had St. Bonaventure win by 25 over George Washington and Duquesne go on the road and defeat St. Louis by 14. So that's going to be like the A-10 lookout. Not the best games, but of course, Duquesne game that went over St. Louis was huge for them when it comes to A-10 standings and Duquesne squeaking out the LaSalle victory by two points. Looking a little scary there after um, a couple losses to Rhode Island and UMass uh, two weeks prior. Look ahead to next week's games um, across the A-10. No games as normal tonight, but tomorrow night, Davidson travels to VCU in an anticipated game in the preseason. Right now, it doesn't look that big. I mean, VCU's been playing great at home, and Davidson hasn't been playing that well as of late. On Saturday, of course, you have George Washington in Rhode Island. Then you have St. Louis traveling to Dayton, as uh, before mentioned, and Richmond travels to Fordham. St. Bonaventure travels to Duquesne, and what should be a good one uh, for uh the third-place spot in the A-10, and St. Joseph's uh, and LaSalle play. Maybe St. Joe's can get their first conference win. And then on Sunday, February 9th, George Mason travels to UMass. On Tuesday, next Tuesday, you have Rhode Island, Dayton, St. Bonaventure, St. Joe's, Fordham, Davidson, nothing special besides Rhode Island, Dayton, of course, which is a huge game. And then next Wednesday, you have George Mason traveling to VCU and Richmond traveling to LaSalle. You only got a couple games this week, like uh, URI uh, Dayton, and then you have St. Louis Dayton and St. Bonaventure Duquesne. A couple of good games to look out for. That St. Bonaventure Duquesne game is on NBC Sports at 3 p.m. on Saturday. That Dayton game, of course, is at uh, 2 p.m. against St. Louis on CBS Sports on Saturday. And then, of course, Tuesday night, you have Rhode Island Dayton on CBS Sports at 7.30. Look ahead to the A-10 standings. You have Dayton in first place at 9-0. Rhode Island second place at 9-1. and And then you have Duquesne and St. Bonaventure in tied in third at 7-3. VCU and Richmond tied in fourth at 6-3. You have St. Louis at 6-4. Davidson at 5-4. George Washington at 4-6. UMass 3-7. George Mason at 2-7. LaSalle at 1-8, and eight, as well as Fordham at 1-8, and eight, and St. Joe's at 0-9. Oh That's going to be your Ball with Lee Show A-10 wrap-up of this past week. Now, we're going to, of course, look to the Power 5 of last weekend and last week and what happened. We had a couple good ones last Thursday. Iowa and Maryland squared off. And Iowa took, uh, Maryland actually took the victory, my bad, in College Park, 82-72 to in that one. Auburn defeated Kentucky at home, 75-66. Duke takes care of Syracuse on the road, 97-88. Michigan State loses on the road to Wisconsin to prove that Big Ten road games are no joke by one point, 64-63. Iowa defeated Illinois, 72-65. Maryland defeated Rutgers by five, 56-51 in a defensive battle. Penn State beat Michigan State. 75-70, Auburn defeated Arkansas in overtime, 79-76. And last night, Villanova lost to Butler uh, on the road, 79-76, uh, off a of buzzer beater by Butler to lose that one. We look ahead to this week's games across the Power 5. We got, a couple, we got actually a solid slate. Tomorrow night, Maryland travels to Illinois. And on Saturday, 
You have LSU traveling to Auburn, Seton Hall traveling to Villanova, Duke traveling to UNC, the Tobacco Road rivalry, and Gonzaga traveling to St. Mary's. Their real test in the conference, of course, is always St. Mary's, but, you know, not that good this year, St. Mary's isn't. But Gonzaga can do something against a bubble team on the road. We'll see. Should be a good one on Saturday night. On Monday, you have a great game, probably the game of the week, uh, Monday night, uh, Sonic Blockbuster. Uh, number 8, FSU, travels to number 7, Duke. And then you have twenty number 22, Penn State, traveling to Purdue on Tuesday with number 16, Michigan State, traveling to Illinois, trying to break their losing, way, uh, losing ways. And then on Wednesday night, Creighton travels to Seton Hall, Xavier travels to Butler, and KU travels back to West Virginia. West Virginia looking for blood after losing in the Fog Allen Fieldhouse earlier this year. Take a look at the conference standings across the Power Five. The ACC, you have three real teams. You have number five, uh, Louisville at 11-1, number seven, Duke at 9-2, and two, number eight, FSU at 9-2. and two. And besides that, there are none other ranked teams. It just drops off, nothing much. Looking to the Big 12, kind of same situation, except it's a little closer in the conference standings. You have number one, Baylor at 9-0, and number three, Kansas at 8-1, running away with this conference. Uh, should be a great fight for the top. Or number 13, West Virginia, is in third place at 6-3, and a game ahead of Texas Tech, but after those three ranked teams, that is it. Looking at the SEC, LSU's at 8-1, number 18 in the nation. Auburn, number 17, is at 7-2. Uh, and Kentucky at number 15 at 7-2. Rather, Auburn's number 11. I don't know why I said 17. They were 17 last week. They're number 11 actually this week in second place of the SEC, and it drops off there with no other ranked teams. Pac-12, we have some competition. Yellow bit of competition. Not the best teams up there. Oh, you have number 14, Oregon at 7-3, and then you have number 24, Colorado, and non-ranked USC tied at 6-3. and Arizona tied at 5-3, and number 23 in the country tied with Stanford, but Stanford is not really that good. I'd say, you know, the, not the it's l- less quality and more quantity in the Pac-12, which, you know, better than having none last year. They had no competition. They had no good teams. Every uh, Washington was a good team, but they lost to, like, the worst team. They lost to, like, Cal and Oregon State last year, who were absolutely terrible. And it was just, you know, not a, bad, not a good look for the Pac-12 last year. And the Big Ten is just loaded. Number 9, Maryland, and number 20, Illinois, lead the charge at 8-3. Number uh, 16, Michigan State is at 8-4. Number 22, Penn State is at 7-4. And, and number 17, Iowa and non-ranked Rutgers are both at 7-5. Man, that conference is stacked. I can't wait to see that Big Ten tournament go down. You have a lot of good teams in that. You know, if you're, if you're in the uh, top eight of the 14, I mean, you're a solid basketball team. I mean, we, I just looked at six of them, and those six teams are like, they've all been ranked this year. Um, so... I would say a lot of them have been ranked. I mean, you have you don't even have teams like Michigan and Ohio State up there. I mean, those were number three, number four ranked teams to start off the year, and they came to Big Ten play and just absolutely got obliterated by Big Ten competition. So, that's going to be it this podcast. This was a long one, but we had to go over a lot of things, especially Rodon's game against Dayton next Tuesday. Rodon cannot sleep on George Washington. They are a pesky team, especially on the road uh, at uh, down at the Berg in uh, D.C. So, Rodon's game Saturday on the road at George Washington at two uh, at 12 p.m. CBS Sports, and they have their game on Tuesday on the road at the UD Arena against number six Dayton. 
Rhode Island can extend that win streak, maybe we will see. Hopefully they can extend it to 10, get that confidence going to Dayton. Stay tuned for next week's episode as we go over Rhode Island's next games against St. Joe's. And, of course, recap uh, the George Washington and Dayton game. I'm excited. I hope you are, too, for this upcoming week for Rhodey basketball. It could be monumental to this season, especially Tuesday night's game, if they can win on Saturday. So that's going to be it for this podcast. And as always, roadie, roadie, roadie.